Welcome to Neither Jew Nor Greek, a podcast where we engage in scholarly and scriptural conversations about the cultural divisions and the community of Christ followers, which prevent us from walking together in unity. I am your host, Amatayo Banjo, and you are invited to come and dine. Welcome to Neither Jew Nor Greek, a podcast where we discuss the tensions between race, ethnicity, and faith, and the mission of the gospel to unify us. Um, my name is Amatayo Banjo. I am an associate professor at the University of Cincinnati, and I am here with my guest, Dr. Wickham Clayton. He is a film scholar whose work concentrates uh, on film, form, genre, and authorship. He is the editor of the Bible on screen in the new millennium, New Heart and New Spirit, as it came out in 2020 uh, by Manchester University Press. In addition to a range of other books and articles, Wickham is senior lecturer in film production at the University of the Creative Arts in Phantom, UK. Thank you so much for being with us today. No, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. So the, this episode, uh, I want to focus on the prevalence of of majority culture in mainstream Christian entertainment, um, specifically film, um, and the importance of representation on screen. So let's talk about the power of representation and, and film in general. Why is film signif significant to our understanding of reality or to our consciousness? Uh, sure, well, is, a film is such a powerful element of our lives. Uh, and, and for me, it's one of the tools that we use uh, to exercise our mental and emotional muscles. You know, mm -hmm. uh, they, they could provide sort of fun narrative puzzles for us to, to engage with or sort of show us challenging sides of life uh, or help us feel more confident about experiences that we're unsure of. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also a place for us to like kind of safely um, emote, you know, laugh, cry, uh, feel anger, elation, fear. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, uh, this really does sort of uh, heighten our sense of, of who we are as humans and uh, in, in the best possible cases mm -hmm. feel uh, an attachment to uh, and empathy for other experiences that may feel alien to us at first. Wow, well said. So what I hear you saying is that film sort of sort of helps us process our humanity mm. in a sense. Absolutely. Um, um, and, and not only that, I guess it helps cultivate, has the potential to cultivate empathy for others and their expression and experience of humanity. Mm. Um, so tell me more about your work. Okay. Well, I, as you said, I'm, I'm a film scholar and author. Um, I'm just really fascinated by film. I love film. Ever since I was a kid, I've, I've loved film. Uh, and what I've ended up concentrating on quite often is the way that these films are made and constructed and how that construction um, draws the emotions or the feelings or, or um, you know, mental engagement with it that it does. You know? mm -hmm. um, so, uh, I, I'm interested in a, a range of different things, including, as, uh, as you mentioned, genre and, and authorship. So I, I like sort of understanding uh, how films are categorized the way that they are um, and what that does both for the selling of the movies as mm -hmm. well as what our expectations are for them going in. Mm -hmm. um, and and um, my work on, uh, on the Bible and film is mm -hmm. kind of comes 
back from a, a like kind of a personal investment from you know uh, my my uh, childhood uh, and and sort of the the faith I was I was sort of taught a bit <laughs> growing up mm-hmm. um, and and just coming to terms with that and and trying to help myself understand uh, the different ways that faith is reflected through uh, through storytelling and specifically mm. film storytelling. Um, and and I've, I've kind of ended up going a little bit into um, these like kind of small uh, sort of evangelical film industries, um, which I, I have very complicated feelings about, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that there's, that there are products that are out there that are worth considering and examining and and uh you know i think critical engagement with with all of these sort of cultural manifestations of faith are really uh important uh and and i think that you know sort of uh sidelining or ignoring some of them can uh mm-hmm. put us at risk of not fully understanding uh, again this range of human experience that we get mm-hmm. by experiencing and thinking about film Right. And, and not just the full range of the experience, but as it relates to um, faith films, mm-hmm. um, the range of experience in faith. Um, I was talking with some, um, some of my other guests and we were just sort of talking about how when we only see one perspective of faith, we sort of miss out on the range of experience of faith and at times we can focus on the the jubilee or the celebration or the the joyous parts um you know we may focus more on like the new testament sort of he's risen joy but we forget the humanity to express in the book of psalms of grief and disappointment and frustration um and so what i also hear you saying too is that your work um sort of engages with how uh, faith films help us process might could help us process our faith experience in addition to um, of course all the other like the mental engagement um, and, and things so uh, I wasn't really sure what to call this when we talk about faith films or Christian films how, how would you define uh, Christian films is that the, is that the term they okay. use in the industry or can you give us a definition well, I, I think there are a range of different terms and definitions. I think the idea of a Christian film is often quite scary yeah. to an industry when you're trying to sell something. Um, but certainly if you're looking at films that are trying to um, consider issues around Christianity, we can sort of here like use Christian film as a bit of a shorthand. Right. Um, I, I think Christian film, firstly, and, and probably uh, counterintuitively, uh, doesn't have to originate from a Christian voice Hmm. um, or or a Christian author, if you kind of subscribe to those theories that there's a true author of a film, for example. Um, It does, however, need to either focus on Jesus Christ as a character um, or explicitly about the impact that Christ has had on uh, on the world, on people's lives and so forth. so whether it's something like uh, you know the, these old classics like the greatest story ever told, King of Kings, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, um, and and there's uh, you know a fairly recent one that's based on a uh, an Anne Rice book called The Young Messiah, um, and, and you know these tell us about uh, the story of Jesus or at least tell us a bit about the the life of Christ in some sort of imagined form, uh, or something that's uh, set 
contemporary to Christ's life where Jesus is around the edges of the story, but having an impact on the characters, something like Ben-Hur, for example, mm -hmm. um, or even a story about modern day troubles or issues, uh, but where faith in Jesus is a, is a, a significant part of how the characters uh, confront their trouble. Um, then I think that's where we're in Christian film territory. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so there are these different movies that you've you've mentioned, but all of these that you've mentioned sort of existed outside of a larger uh, organization of of Christian films, which mm -hmm. um, one of them would be Pure Flix. Um, mm. So when you and I talked before, you were sort of distinguishing these kinds of films from films that are produced um, by something like Pure Flix because of the industrial model it follows. Do you, could you share more about the industrial model of these larger faith-based industries? Uh, sure. I mean, uh, well, Pure Flix uh, in itself is uh, something that I've looked into a fair bit. I mean, because it's such an interesting case study. At the moment, it's kind of like the big, um, studio or industry for evangelical uh, um, film making. Um, and, and this is a studio that capitalizes on existing models of production and distribution, you know, the, you know, the making and releasing of films. Um, it, it, it's kind of piggybacking on ones that are already existing and successful in the uh, larger industries, uh, particularly around Hollywood. Um, so, but, but in this case, it's specific, uh, it's targeting specific stories and specific audiences, um, but with a proviso that these audiences uh, say spread the word uh, and make others come to see them. Um, so while the growth of the viewership for, for these films is typically either slow or gradual, um, it relies on the built-in audience of uh, evangelical Christians that these are marketed to um, going to see the movie uh, and then the members of that audience invite other people from the outside uh, uh, of that original audience to come to the film uh, with them. So like using it as an evangelical tool. Yeah, I was just gonna um, say that, yeah. Yeah, and as a result, you end up getting two tickets out of one person and one ticket mm -hmm. from somebody new. Right. Um, and, and, and for someone eager to really convert others using these films, the company might get three, four, five tickets out of these people, mm -hmm. you know, that are, uh, that are coming to see them and, and bringing other people in. And that's mm -hmm. not to mention like groups organized through churches uh, to come see a film. Um, and you can get like 20 or people, 20 or 30 people in uh, at a time. So while cinema releases usually limited, uh, you can get a lot of tickets out of those limited screens if the right locations are targeted. Um, Pure Flix, however, is like a kind of operating on a like something parallel to Netflix. I mean, in, in, in fact, Netflix uh, and Pure Flix spell flicks the same right. way. Yeah. Uh, Netflix started in 97, uh, 1997 as kind of an archive warehouse mail order uh, movie rental service. If you're you know, kind of old enough to remember. 1997? <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Netflix goes back uh, to 1997. Uh, and in the 2010s, it sort of moved over to its solely streaming service that we know uh, now. And then, yeah. you know, around that time started producing its own content. Mm -hmm. Whereas Pure Flix uh, started off creating its own content, but trying to find that distribution model that worked for it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it boasts a similar logo uh, as, as well. Um, now, I, like, 
its own website sort of tries to tell the story of, of Pure Flix and how it developed. And I'll, I'll kind of quote from it here because I think it's quite telling. Um, it, it says, uh, quote, Pure Flix's roots uh, were set in 2005 uh, when three friends uh, came together to launch a theatrical company with a passion for influencing the culture for Jesus Christ through media. Uh, the company's early productions were primarily distributed through churches, limited theatrical releases, or yeah. direct-to-DVD retail sales. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, 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 was A.R. White, David A.R. White, who's an actor and a producer there, uh, said those are early years were always a struggle. Um, and and uh, so, so this kind of gives you a bit of a sense that like they, they wanted to produce these films, they wanted to get them out in, in some way. Mm -hmm. um, so, so with that as its mission statement and historical account, it combines several approaches, mostly aiming to create its own content from the start, but it's clear uh, that it tried on one hand to model Netflix, um, which had you know been around for a few years by that point, um, but was also aware of the limitation uh, and lack of promotional budget that you know its own company had, um, and there was an initial an initial reliance on these church networks to spread the word and to spread the the movies that they had. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, their mission statement goes on to say that it's a uh, it's big breakthrough uh, as a viable theatrical distributor, you know, sort of like showing movies and cinemas uh, successfully um, came in 2001 with their film God's Not Dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it now looks like it, it mostly kind of preserves its higher profile releases for the theater. Um, but primarily relies, as most companies now do after COVID, uh, on its viability as a streaming service, which seems to do quite well. Mm. And while there are other companies out there, um, PureFlix seems to do this really successfully, um, at least as an industrial model. But other companies from this evangelical corner of the market seem to be like kind of su successfully producing some in-house stuff that gets distributed on DVD mm -hmm. or digitally uh, and occasionally theatrically. So PureFlix isn't the only option. It hasn't okay totally cornered the market but mm -hmm. it is like kind of one of the bigger names um but we can see how hard it is to kind of make this type of model uh catch um through the case of uh, i mentioned to you uh when we last talked about fox faith films mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and and this is an imprint of 20th century fox that made an effort at creating faith-based material mm -hmm. um so Pure Flick started in 2005, really caught on in 2014, and is still going fairly strong as, as a streaming service. Uh, Fox Faith started in 2006, uh, which is a year after Pure Flix, and went mm -hmm. defun defunct in 2009. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is a label with the power and prestige of a major studio right. behind it. Um, and it's also important that 20th Century Fox uh, was the studio behind the release, but not the production of um, The Passion of the Christ in the U.S. So oh, okay. like sort of seeing those parallels are really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. So we have um, companies like Pure Flakes and you have other faith-based films, I guess, backed by maybe a larger evangelical um church or mission or creatives within the industry and then we have films like the passion of the christ the last temptation of christ noah the last days in the desert which we talked about before um so even though they have different uh slightly different targets or industrial models that impact their distribution have we have you been able to observe any differences in themes um among these films 
Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm kind of glad you're asking this because it kind of gives me the chance to sound a, a little bit less cynical. <laughs> um, we, we honestly can't really tell what's what's in the heart of the people that's like running these larger Christian industries. So it's mm-hmm. difficult to make presumptions about it. But um, Pure Flix, for example, does seem to tell stories with a formula uh, to mm-hmm. create a specific uh, affect within the viewer um, and presumably with the aim uh, of being a tool for evangelizing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also how, you know, the Passion of the Christ, which was a, a huge hit in 2004, um, mm-hmm. was adopted on its release by churches. Um, but what's really important about that movie is that big studios wouldn't touch it. Yeah. Um, I, I was a film student at the time that Mel Gibson was openly uh, soliciting studios and producers for money to make the movie, which, you know, is based on the, the old, uh, you know, the Catholic passion plays, mm-hmm. um, you know, going back to medieval times, really. So mm-hmm. it's one of those, you know, Catholic traditions, those big plays that are often shown at Easter. Um, and, and of course, being a, a kind of a know-it-all university kid uh, <laughs> with, with a bit of an awareness of what's happening in the industry at the time, uh, it sounded kind of ambitious, but not in a good way. Um, and, but Gibson had always been open about his Catholicism Mm -hmm. and this was like something he had a bit of a a desire to do and I'm avoiding the obvious pun here Mm -hmm. um so so in spite of the uh kind of financial odds that were against him um he didn't really care he just wanted to make this movie because he had something to say about his faith whether it's Mm -hmm. you know good or bad um and and this is something that's consistent in interviews with uh, the filmmakers these movies that you you just mentioned Mm -hmm. um who've you know done much the same thing like Darren Aronofsky uh, for example mm-hmm. and we talked about this uh, earlier um uh you know saying he's an atheist um you know at the, at the time that Noah came out you know he said he you know wasn't a person of faith he's he, you know he's an atheist he just found this an interesting story um or, or like wanted to approach it almost as a challenge to see if he could do something uh with this material um and and in in the the Bible on screen, the the book I edited, I had a a scholar named Michael Coven um, argues that while Aronofsky's claiming he's an atheist, uh, his Jewish background deeply informs all the details of this film, Mm -hmm. which actually results in kind of an authentic consideration about a relationship with Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Aronofsky certainly uh, hasn't shied away from the spiritual, uh, as you can sort of see in his movies, um, Mm -hmm. uh, The Fountain, and uh, even as like dark early film pie, um, of course oh, Martin, yeah. yeah, yeah, and he even like and Martin Scorsese is, has always been like really open w- about his Italian Catholic heritage, and these films that uh, you know specifically uh, the Passion of the Christ, um, he's openly said you know he's a lapsed Catholic, but this is a sincere attempt to understand the nature of Jesus uh, outside of the way that it's usually told uh, you know through the New Testament. Uh, and this is no no doubt like inspired by you know what Pasolini was doing in Italy back in the 70s um, and he did the same thing a few years ago with his film uh, Silence which is a really beautiful film uh, again you know coming from someone who has questions about his own faith but like still openly struggling with and considering what faith mm-hmm. is and what it means mm-hmm. um, and, and and Kevin Smith's film Dogma you know as you know even if it was a, a little bit silly was you know he openly in the credits like credited Scorsese and Nikos Kazantzakis and and their efforts to understand their Catholic faith um, as an inspiration for that movie mm-hmm. um, 
and and last days in the desert which is is one that i'm really really fond of um it's not very well known but it's worth visiting mm-hmm. uh and again for this very same reason because we have a filmmaker who's confronting his own feelings about faith um it's, it's made by rodrigo garcia who's uh in an interview said uh I, I love this quote. He says, I don't know what organ of my body this film came from. I kept asking myself, what are you doing? A movie about Jesus, but I couldn't get it out of my head. Um, mm. and, and that's what's important to me. Not a film that's like calculated for a broad homogenous effect, but like a true engagement with faith um, in a personal, but a beneficial and interesting way for others. Mm. Um, and these are often decried because they're like so, so challenging. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that confronting challenges to your faith, if those challenges are done in a respectful, meditative and sincere mm-hmm. way, um, strengthens and weatherproof, weatherproofs uh, faith. Um, and, and on the other hand, a film that shows, uh, shows you a mirror image of your faith or what you want it to be, um, to me kind of weakens it in the end uh, because you aren't being asked to see how your faith is complicated by the real world or confronted mm. by real people. Mm. Um, and, and, and for me, real people is sort of the heart of what any faith, uh, if, for, for any faith worth its salt. Yeah. Now, I think it, it's hard not to ignore that many of the films you mentioned are, um, they, they feature majority Eurocentric uh characters and 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 then i'm thinking about uh tyler perry's films um especially through the character of medea and uh or which started from his plays which were really uh christ-centered or or centered on on the christian faith in the black community and i'm thinking about td jakes um and his films and just thinking about the obvious separation here um, yeah. uh, of, of race and faith in film. And Stuart Hall has said that um, the media tell us what to think and how to think about race. And uh, as a media effects person coming from a, um, a media effects a tradition and media studies person, I can't help but think about how these Christian narratives featuring majority people um, majority white characters, or then you have the separation of the black Christian narratives. What stories they are telling us about about faith and race, um, and so I think it's important to sort of engage with that. What are your thoughts about these distinctions? And well, it's it's really it's really uh interesting because there are a lot of uh a lot of issues at play here um i i, I find these films by uh tyler perry and td jakes really really interesting mm-hmm. um both as a viewer and and as a you know somebody who likes to to study these things um so i mean if, if we look at at those movies um you know i'm Admittedly, I haven't like really visited like Perry and T.D. Jakes in a while, um, but they're they're really worth talking about, especially in these like kind of scholarly contexts. Mm-hmm. Um, back back when I was I was working at a blockbuster in sort of the mid two thousands, uh, around the release of Passion of the Christ. In fact, um, that there was you sort of saw within the period of a year the release of Tyler Perry's uh, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, mm-hmm. uh, and um, another film, Woman Thou Art Loosed, which yeah. was by uh, T.D. Jakes' company. 
Um, and I think they show distinct differences between the approaches um, that I've kind of mentioned before. Um, because, uh, you know, while, while I've mentioned, you know, Pure Flix kind of using these stories as an evangelical tool, and right. I, I can elaborate that on a bit if, uh, if, if you'd like. Um, but these films were more about the way that God, um, let's see, Th those films are a bit about how uh, the pure flicks films are about how God wants society to be and sort of like showing us this like kind of image that these people are, are like kind of projecting onto scripture. You know, mm -hmm. they, they say that society should be structured in this particular way. Mm -hmm. And the real goal is to get as many people as possible into heaven. So by evangelizing, you know, the, by, you know, you need to fit into your role in society in order to help that end game. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that seems to be like kind of the idea, the theme that, that comes across there and the, the worldview that it's coming from. Whereas Tyler Perry and T.D. Jakes uh, and these films in particular um, are, are about people living their lives and often uh, experiencing hardship. Um, mm -hmm but faith and explicitly uh, Christianity is used as a way to provide comfort, hope, and guidance to these characters mm -hmm. in their time of need. Mm -hmm. um, and I really like that. Um, and, and I really enjoy that these stories hit emotional beats and play on cultural tropes and ideas around performance and storytelling uh, that I'm not really privy to as a white man. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I always love that experience because I like knowing that there are areas of culture that aren't just made for me, <laughs> mm. um, which a lot of white people don't often get because there's, there's so much of like Hollywood is, is largely directed toward, uh, you know, teenage white boys. <laughs> boys yeah 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 um and 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 everybody just has to gather in and accept that that's the target audience and you experience it there and i, I love sort of engaging with cultures that aren't targeting me um you know it, it, it's it's uh, you know just like those those mainstream products the hollywood stuff everyone's sort of invited in to meet it on its own terms uh, and I think it's really beautiful and such an important experience for, for everyone who's immersed in a culture that's kind of the predominant culture mm -hmm. to be able to have that experience of going into something, knowing it's not for you, but knowing that you're accepted if you're willing to just like sit there and experience it. Right. And get something from it. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I just a cursory glance, like a cursory look at some of the films I see promoted by Pure Flix or some of the larger um, film, films uh, distributed by larger uh, companies um, or with the backing of the of evangelical missions, I, I can't help but notice similar trends that I see in Hollywood in terms of representation. So when, for first, you have a story that's centered around typically white American Christians. Mm -hmm. And then when you see a person of color, they tend to be... Uh, so like sort of that magical Negro kind of role. Um, they tend to be lower class. Maybe they're the single mother yeah. um, if they are in this white space. So what do you think are the implications of this uh, for the potential of unifying Christians across racial lines? 
But you're absolutely right, and this is a big issue here. Um, the, the films that are made by pure flicks, uh, kind of seemingly in an effort to bring the largest possible viewership in, whether for you know financial or evangelical purposes. Again, I don't want to be too cynical. Mm -hmm. um, ends up resting on a, a Hollywood narrative model, and this is almost ironic, um, as a, as its previous mission statement, which isn't there um, anymore. They've replaced it. Um, reads, uh, Hollywood has played a major role in shaping our current culture, ours in quotes here, uh, by controlling most of the media we experience today. We challenge you to stand up for Christ and share these heartfelt movies with your families, friends, communities, and church to impact mm -hmm. our world for Christ. Mm -hmm. um, so Pure Flix, while offering an alternative to the worldly Hollywood entertainment, uh, like kind of closely models the same tropes yeah. that Hollywood seems to by trying with varying lacks of uh, levels of success to unpick, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as a result, we have films with not only similar versions of racial and gender representation, but also films that are based on conquest narratives and underdog stories um, mm -hmm. about overcoming the attacks of the world and being uh, often a superior dominant man by coming to faith in a savior who demands humility and service. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and these are feel like contrasting messages because they are. Um, and, and in the end, these movies appear to want to unify, but they're coming from the perspective of people that only uh, reiterate the tropes of Hollywood mm -hmm. because as Hall notes, you know, these are, uh, are their exposures to the lives of people from other races. Um, so there's an acceptance of this as as how each of these categories of, of people are. Um, you know, if we consult with others and talk about our experiences uh, with other people with experiences that aren't ours uh, and open our hearts to the uncomfortable truths about how other people uh, live their lives, uh, even if they shatter the illusions that we have, uh, which often they will, uh, then we, we not only can make more responsible films, but just kind of come to know God better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty powerful. I mean, as I've been having these discussions, that's sort of the conclusion of the matter that if we open, um, whether it's film or music or worship, when you open yourself up to other people within the, within, uh, the community of believers, you get a more holistic picture. So even as we talked about, um, former Catholics who ended up telling these beautiful narratives of faith that they're you know, sort of showcasing their wrestling with faith, they still sort of give some insight into the faith journey that maybe mm. it seems like some of these more evangelical mission um, films that get much more financing and, and or are much more prevalent, they don't seem to tackle, right? Because they, they're focusing more on the these the, the stories of overcoming being ostracized as a Christian and um, and, and again the, the whole mission is to draw people in and not to sort of deal with the the tensions of faith. So one of the things we talked about as well when we talked about the Passion of the Christ, mm. uh, we were saying how I, I was saying how much I appreciated Mel Gibson's attempt to be authentic by making the character well first of all the character is played by someone of Jewish descent. Um, Actually, I, I'm sorry. I, 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 I found out it's not. Uh, he's, not. He, he's he's Irish Catholic. 
Oh, he's Irish Catholic. Yeah, but the woman who plays Mary Magdalene is is oh, Jewish. Yeah, she's okay. No, no, sorry, not, uh, uh, sorry, uh, the Virgin Mary, Mary, Mother of God. Sorry, his mom. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, his, his I mom. Have so she into is that. Jewish. I, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, I I think I heard the rumor somewhere, and I just was, like kind of spat it out. Wait, yeah, he sorry. he has a look to him that doesn't look like white male, <laughs> like mm. white American Anglo. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's uh, he's he's definitely sort of uh, from what I've read. It's a combination of of European looks that are not just sort of entirely Irish, but I think it's sort of predominantly Irish Catholic. So yeah. Nonetheless, so Gibson though was very intentional though with the use of was it Aramaic? Mm-hmm, yeah, he, he used um, to try to stay as true as he could to the the culture. It seemed like he tried, and. Um, and so I guess what I'm trying to just bring up here is just the value and the importance of, of authenticity and maybe some kind of accuracy to, to the extent we can and how that can bring much more insight into the Christian experience. And this accuracy and authenticity also includes including people of color. Um, so I guess my, my question for you then is what are some changes meaning makers and creatives can implement to convey more true representations of the journey and of the Christian community. I mean, well, I, I've kind of learned that the that the industry is going to do what the industry is going to do, <laughs> um, and and but but if I had to give advice to them, I'd say that uh, you know when it comes to faith, there needs to be um, more room for personal stories, um, and and uh, because these are often very complicated and difficult, and in the end, uh, they help viewers strengthen their faith, as I said before. Uh, and and at the very least, studios should keep their eyes open for independently made, kind of authentic stories of faith, and and be willing to distribute them. Um, yeah. And and uh, for viewers, certainly, um, I, I'd recommend anybody that is is interested in watching movies about faith. Um, look around uh, for, for stories about faith. Don't just look for stories by uh, people that look and, and live like you. Mm. Um, look for stories from other people, other cultures, uh, and in other languages that are dealing with how faith and God can be integrated into your life. Um, since we last talked, I, I've looked into it a bit. And I mentioned before, like, so, you know, Brazilian films like telenovelas um, that are based on Bible stories. And I found a couple of um, uh, films made in South Asia that uh, aren't specifically about Christianity, but do have depictions of Christianity, which are, are very um, uh, interesting and useful. Mm. Um, and 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 you know, look for these these films from other backgrounds that uh, deal with how faith in God can be sort of integrated into your life. Mm -hmm. You know, it can often be a, a kind of difficult, uncomfortable uh, experience sometimes, or some things can get lost in translation. Um, but it also shows us more of the beautiful world God's created, and and the people. If if you're a Christian, that mm -hmm. God's come to save, or Christ has come to save. And I guess I want to close with this. I think um, I think about the potential of a creative, a Christian creative, to tell a story that is much more racially inclusive, and um, and and as a result, might be avant-garde. So what's coming to my mind is people's reactions to the shack and yeah. having a black woman play God. Mm. And I'm wondering how do we empower people to sort of think for themselves and engage with a, a narrative about faith without having this sort of political reactionary 
response uh, to something? Um, you know, how do we empower people to think about how they could be open? Just like you said, watch other film, watch films with, you know, that come from a different perspective of, of faith or from producers who may not call themselves Christians. Um, how do we sort of empower people to engage with these kinds of narratives when basically when the film content does not subscribe or align with a white Christian uh, image? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's often spoken of in the New Testament about, you know, sort of praying that people's hearts are opened uh, to, mm -hmm. to these possibilities. And it's very difficult to sort of construct ways to make people, um, to, to make people do this um mm -hmm. it, it, it is about you know talking to others and being willing to uh share our experiences um and, and ultimately um uh pray for them that they'd be willing to listen to other perspectives and and views and and um again just let them know that challenges to their understanding of what christianity is only makes your faith stronger rather yeah. than uh you know rather than you know again repeating the same images repeating the mm -hmm. same stories um weakens faith because we don't see that breadth of experience that you know is is out there in the world for us to uh to engage with yeah and i like to remind myself and our listeners that again the mission of the podcast is to have these difficult conversations and identify the ways in which bias and discrimination and inequity play a role in our day-to-day -day Christian experience. And as a result, spills over into our relationships, which uh, ends up having a harmful effect of division between, between or among believers from different racial backgrounds. And so um, I hope that we can just do the work of self-reflection and think about um, what part we can play, not what your church says, not what your pastor says or the priest, but to think about the believer you want to be, what the scriptures say, and engage with, with any kind of Christian faith-based media from that perspective. And um, I think it's just really important to, to open ourselves up in that way. So I thank you so much, Rickham, for sharing your, your experience and your expertise and your knowledge with us. Um, and again, thank you so much for being here with us. I'm very happy to. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation inspired thoughts that move us toward God's heart for us to love one another as he has loved us. May our light rise in the darkness and may healing reach our land.